You're listening to the Pop Tart Podcast. Girls down. You already know. She had a shirt that said White Lives Matter, but it was in reference to like white fish. The bachelorettes are never fresh. They're always stale. You watch it with your female friends. You get your wine. It just, it feels like a coven. She thought she had a heart attack when she had her first orgasm. I've always kind of tuned into the drama. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop-Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors of Bust Magazine, usually in Brooklyn, New York, but now from our homes. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today we're going to talk about, I'm going to say, possibly a divisive topic. And that is Bachelor Nation. Since The Bachelor debuted in 2002 on ABC, the relationship reality show hosted by Chris Harrison has grown into a huge pop cultural phenomenon. The show is now responsible for tons of watch parties, relentless water cooler talk, and a surprising number of spinoffs, including The Bachelorette, Bachelor Pad, The Bachelor Canada, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor in Paradise, after Paradise, <laughs> The Bachelor Winter Games, and The Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. What is The Bachelor over- Pad? I need to know. <laughs> You're we'll going to find there. out. Just do it. <laughs> For over 15 years, I sneered at and ignored this show until last year when our two guests started talking about it relentlessly at bus <laughs> headquarters so much that my nosy ass started tuning in. <laughs> they are personally responsible for my cultural decline, and I love them very, very much. Welcome Bust's digital editor, Lydia Wang, and frequent Bust digital contributor, Emma Davey. Hello. Hey. Welcome. Okay, Thank ladies, you. one at a time. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell our audience your history with the show. When did you start watching it? Why have you continued to watch it? And do you participate in watch parties and things of that nature? Let's start with Lydia. Okay, so I actually first started watching The Bachelor when Emma first started coming to Bust. She talked about it often. She talked about... You didn't know this? It's all you. No, no, I thought... I'm responsible for everybody's <laughs> cultural decline. I'm like someone with cultural coronavirus. I've just like infected everybody. <laughs> That's literally what happens. Like you came into our highbrow society. <laughs> yeah, Emma is where this began. <laughs> I'm patient zero of busting the bachelor uh, infiltrating bachelor. our our feminist Shangri La. Okay, Lydia, you were saying. Yeah. So when I tell this story, I also realize I do sound like a middle schooler trying to woo a crush. But I started watching because Emma would talk about it. She talked about how when she was in college, she would watch it with her friends. And that was a fun thing they did. She even watched it with her mom sometimes. And I thought Emma was really cool. I wanted to be friends. And I thought this could be my in. I don't know who she's watching it with now in New York. Um, So I watched a few episodes. And I've always seen a lot of sort of articles about it online. I've always kind of tuned into the drama, but never 
actually watched a full episode. So I started watching last year during Hannah Brown's season and I was surprised. I thought it was really fun. And eventually Emma and I did become friends and we started watching together. And now both of us have brought some of our other friends in and now we sort of watch with this big group, which is really fun. Yeah. And Emma, how about you being the patient zero of Bachelor Nation? (laughs) Well, oh gosh, I have a long history with The Bachelor because my mom watched it like ever since it first premiered. So it was really inescapable for me becoming a Bachelor fan. So I never watched it necessarily when I was like, I don't know, in fourth grade or whatever. But like, Sometimes if my dad was on a business trip and I just wanted to hang with my mom, you know, she'd be like, all right, I guess you can stay in my room and watch The Bachelor. So I definitely absorbed a lot of it, even if I wasn't an avid viewer for a while. Um, But then during my senior year of high school, I just walked into my mom watching it and it looked fun and silly. And when you're a senior and you have very little work to do and you just want to bond with your mom before you leave for college it was a good way for us to just kind of spend time together and maybe not drink wine at that age, but later drink wine and comment on all the craziness and just kind of communally roll our eyes at the screen. And so then I took it to college with me, but for a while I really had no one to watch it with and I would just watch it alone in my sad dorm lounge by myself because I could convince no one else to watch it (laughs) Um, until I lived in a house with my friends my senior year and we had a tv so everyone just kind of got roped into it Um, so now it sort of depends on who I watch it with just based on availability but like yeah Lydia and I definitely bonded over The Bachelor and we've been to each other's apartments to watch we've had other friends over to watch we always bring wine Um, we have a standing invitation for our bachelor lunch on Thursdays to talk and debrief about everything. So (laughs) it's like, it's just like a fun communal experience. It's, I feel like it's less about the show and more about who you watch it with. So you're in it, you're watching it. Production on the upcoming season of the bachelorette has been halted because of the coronavirus. So For the foreseeable future, we just have the most recent season of The Bachelor with Peter Weber to gnaw on. So let us gnaw. I'm ready to gnaw. At this point, listeners, if you are listening and plan to watch that season on Hulu, bail out now because there will be spoilers ahead. Are you ready? Have you you left if you need to leave? (laughs) All right, good. Let the spoilers commence. That season, to me, as like a first, there's the first full episode of the bachelor that i've seen i watched i started with bachelor in paradise which you guys had me on i guess when was it in the winter or whatever in the summer was oh was it really in the summer yeah so like that was the first one that i watched and then this one is the first one i watched where it was like a dozen women and one dude Mm -hmm. and that season is a train wreck Peter is a fuck boy and I felt (laughs) angered in many ways he kicked out Kelly who was the one person on the show who behaved like an actual adult from what I understand they're canoodling now which makes sense which one was Uh, Kelly he got she was the one who was a lawyer who was grown and had a jorb full disclosure I tried to watch the Peru episode to, to get a little taste and it was 
a lot of, <laughs> it was just, it's so slow. So then I just jumped all the way to finale. The finale oh is fucking two oh fucking episodes and they, what they are an hour and a half each, some shit like that. It's a commitment. It was yeah, a lot a of commitment. commitment. Yeah. And no offense, I know you guys love this show, but I feel like anytime anything happened, they stretched it for so long that it became uneventful. So. Yeah, they do milk it to the point of it being a dry, withered husk. So I, I sort of know some of the people from the flashbacks, and then I know the last You two. might not know Kelly, though, because she was not at the finale. Uh, the one person on the show who behaved like an adult, like I said, was Kelly. And she, so she got, she was over it. And he was like, I can tell you're over it. And he didn't choose her. He got obsessed with Maddie, who was a super Christian girl who told him, I'm a super Christian. I will not be okay with you sleeping with other people. And then he totally slept with other people and was so surprised when she wasn't okay with it. And then he jerked around this model named Hannah, Hannah Ann, like relentlessly jerked her around. She just kept saying that she loved him on repeat, like a broken record. And he asked her to marry him and then was like, psych, never mind. And the whole thing was a train wreck. And I feel like he deserves to die alone. Tell me your thoughts, starting with Lydia. Okay. Well, what's interesting is Peter and Kelly are now quarantined together, it looks like, with another friend of his. Oh, I, have a, I saw evidence on Instagram. I have a quick question yes. here. Is all of them, I noticed that the two main ladies were 23, both of them, I think. Are they all in their younger yes. 20s for the most part? A lot Kelly? of them are. I'm pretty sure Kelly is older. Kelly's a little yeah. older. Why are they um, so marriage thirsty? They're so young. I don't know if they're yeah. marriage thirsty as much as they're Instagram thirsty. This makes more sense. That makes more sense. That makes way more yeah, sense. Because so, I kept seeing the ages and I was like, 23? 23? So, uh, so those, we were, they were quarantined. Mm-hmm. Right. Lydia, yes. you were talking about how they're quarantined together. So they're quarantined together, which leads me to think that Peter rewatched the whole season and decided, actually, I messed up. This was clearly the best option for me. Um, something I thought was interesting about the two finalists, I feel like I'm newer to the show than Emma is, so she might have other thoughts. I feel like there are some people who really are there to win from the start. They're like, I'm going to get this guy to fall in love with me I am going to do everything right and I feel like Hannah Ann not sure I believe that she loved him but she clearly was doing everything she could to win um the big catalyst for everything was when it was down to Madison and Hannah Ann they both met Peter's parents oh my god and the mom yeah the mom mom did not like Madison um, Madison was pretty upfront with the mom and said, I'm really religious. She sort of talked around the I'm saving myself until marriage thing. Um, the mom was not cool with that. The mom was like, you're trying to change my son. He loves partying. He loves women. Respect. And also, didn't she get really hate her because she was late? <laughs> yeah. And apparently she was late because she had been talking with Peter outside. So... I think she got to the point where she, it seemed like she genuinely liked Peter, but was less willing to kind of play by the rules. Hannah Ann went in and every five minutes was like, I love your son. I love you guys. I'm going to make your son so happy. It almost felt like she was just spitting it out. Um, She really wanted the parents to know. 
And yeah, she was very robotic in her insistence. That mom was the most fucking extra thing. And when at the end, on the last episode, she was like crying because she hadn't seen her son in a fucking week. I know. In a week. <laughs> she just seen him in Australia. I was like, you, if if I had seen that woman and somebody said, will you marry me? I'd be like, not until your mom is dead. <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated because solid fact. (laughs) Peter did seem to make it clear that his family was important to him. So I can understand that they had this attitude of Madison wasn't even trying with us. We're important to him. Our opinions clearly influence him. Um, I think there's something to be said for Hannah Ann trying, I guess. But it did come off. It came off a little all over the place to me. Um, in the end, I mean, did you want to talk about how it ended or should I, or are we getting to that later? Uh, yeah. Tell, tell them how it ended. So how it ended was after that, um, Barb, that was Peter's mom told Madison, I don't think you're a good match for my son. And Madison ended things with Peter. He was very teary. He was saying our love can conquer this. And she was saying, I want you to get what you came on the show for. I don't think we would last. She said, part of being a good warrior is knowing when to end the fight. And then she left. Um, so when Peter really becomes an asshole here is he goes to Hannah Ann, proposes to her, makes it sound like he chose her over Madison when she yeah, has when no she idea. Just the default. She has no Ruined idea. Madison her left. first engagement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ruined so it. in the end, I thought Hannah Ann and Madison really came out both looking classy both looking like badasses um peter and hannah ann their engagement lasted i think one month and then it ended and then she went on the finale to rip him a new one and he got back with madison but then they broke up two Two days days later oh my god and their breakup lasted six hours (laughs) according to the tabloids the fourth of the time of their relationship he went on yeah so Emma, am I right? Does Peter deserve to die alone? How do you feel about Hmm. this entire sordid affair? I wouldn't say Peter deserves to die alone, but I definitely think he needs to take some solo time and genuinely reflect and figure out what exactly he wants. Because I don't think he's a bad guy overall. I mean, he seemed to be relatively put together I remember I I really liked him when he was on Hannah Brown season um he was one of my favorite contestants then but I think for him to not tell Hannah Ann what happened with Madison I think that was very shady very shady and I you know he's confused and I I get it it's a really confusing show to be on but also you do owe it to your partner if you genuinely want to make it work to be completely honest with them. Um, So yeah, but I also sort of as much as I think Barb is cray and uh, (laughs) (laughs) needs to to tone it down a bit, especially with the tears. I, I don't necessarily know if she's entirely incorrect with not necessarily seeing Peter and Madison together. I think they're very culturally different. I mean, 
Peter clearly wants to go out and party and Madison really wants someone to be like an evangelical Christian patriarch head of the household. Mm -hmm. So is it Barb's place really to, you know, put him on blast in public like that? And also just like drag this girl on live TV and be so rude. (laughs) You know, Barb, Barb can take it down a few notches, but you know, does she have a point? Perhaps. Yeah. Fair. Uh, so before I told you guys that I started off with Bachelor in Paradise, which I enjoyed uh, much more because it was less like a beauty pageant. There was an even number of men and women who were all rejects from other seasons of the main show. And then in a surprising twist, one of the women, Demi, came out as queer and they brought in a girl that she liked uh, for her to date instead. Do you think this was important for queer representation in media? The show is like so straight and I associate it so much with middle America. Lydia Wang, was this a biconic moment in popular culture? Yay or nay? I thought so. Um, I was a big Demi fan from the start. I didn't watch all of the season that she was on, but I had a lot of fun. She came on briefly during Hannah Brown's season um, and I really liked her and I, I was excited that they went there. It is a very heterosexual show. Um, the entire format, I think, is very hard to subvert. And I think they did try. I think Bachelor in Paradise, they need to find a way to make it to make it work better for that because they didn't really know what to do with it. But I thought that the relationship depicted on that show was very sweet. The They got engaged, and the engagement did not last, which I was sad about. I thought they were a good match, but... Um, yeah, I thought that it was great. There have been a few other reality shows that have done similar things. I know MTV's Are You the One had a season where they just had a ton of queer people on. Um, so everyone was sexually fluid. Everyone was bi or pan. Um, and they just had to change, I think, the format of the show entirely. Um, I would love to see something like that with The Bachelor. Do they ever actually get married? Yeah, I would definitely... On this show? Um, sometimes. What I found interesting is for the past few years, there's been like a switcheroo where they, the lead has proposed to someone and then they break it off with them, but then their second choice they get together with. And then they like stay with them for a while. And I've also noticed that the bachelorettes seem to stay with their picks much longer and actually get married to their suitors versus the bachelors right i will tell you that when it comes to those fickle bachelors that out of 24 seasons only two couples are still together for some reason i thought at the end of the show you just got fucking married isn't there a show where then you go to a ceremony and then they decide if they get married or not that was what we were just watching recently on netflix love is blind love Love is is blind yes You know what I thought was biconic on The Bachelor, which sadly turned out to just be a rumor. Um, Oh, no. I know what you're about to say. (laughs) Yeah. There was this one contestant on the show, Alexa, who was way too cool for that show. Way too cool for Peter. I was in love with her from the first time I saw her. And she kind of got the boot pretty quickly because she just looked bored every time she talked to Peter, which just added to her appeal. (laughs) And... She started kind of gal-palling around with one of the other contestants who got eliminated. 
they were posting all these Instagram stories, like kissing each other's cheeks. And I really thought that they were getting together. And then they clarified that that was just a rumor. But she actually, I guess, is queer. She's bisexual. But sadly, they are not a couple. Emma, I'm going to aim this question at you. Mm -hmm. Another thing about the season of Bachelor in Paradise that is memorable to me is that there was this dude on there named Blake who I hated so much that I still sometimes think about how much I hate him, (laughs) um, even now. And recently he gave some interviews saying that he is still traumatized over how the producers made him look on that show. So can the producers make anybody they want the villain? How much of the show's popularity is about giving us people to just watch and hate? Does it promote girl on girl crime? Ooh, that's an interesting question about girl on girl crime. I mean, to your point about producer manipulation, the whole format of the show is that they take a group of like 20 people, completely deprive them of electronics. They're not even allowed to have reading material. Um, They're not allowed to go outside. They're just in this house all day. And all there is to do is to drink and to gossip by the pool. So it sort of creates this psychological bubble where people often act in a way that they wouldn't usually act. Um, Which isn't to say that like some contestants aren't just inherently assholes, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of producer manipulation on the show. And especially they often they'll do these like one-on-one interviews and sometimes they'll just make you stay there and give them the answer that they want to hear before they let you go. Um, so you're sort of incentivized to play a certain part and act a certain way. And that might not be who you are, but you're just like, I just want to get out of here and go to bed. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm falling in love with the bachelor and end of story. Um, Blake specifically, I can't really talk about because I actually didn't see him. I didn't watch Becca season cause I was away. I was in Europe without, internet access for the bachelor boohoo well i've never saw becca season but i can tell you how much i hate Blake, which is a lot <laughs> well i also didn't see bachelor in paradise too much because you know it's not my show as much I, it, it bores me a little bit more than the bachelor but sometimes i'll tune in so i don't necessarily lydia, know about blake as the villain but yeah uh-huh lydia did you watch bachelor in paradise What's right the i difference? did um, they're just like so on, on Bachelor in Paradise, you have like 10 men and 10 women oh, okay. all just sort of like flirting on a beach and figuring out who likes whom, where, whereas like So it's like the that Bachelor show like Sex Island or whatever. Uh, Love yeah, Island. It's like, yeah. Love Island. Are you Love Island, yeah. yeah. So Lydia, being that you saw uh, Bachelor in Paradise, is my hatred of Blake justified? Do you understand why I continue to hate Blake to Yeah, this day? Blake was terrible. The thing that I think is funny is usually there's there are one or two villains, but usually I think you can tell they went on the show sort of knowing that they would be the villain, or as it went he on, they totally blindsided into it. I think Blake went on. From what I've heard of Becca's season, he was pretty normal, kind of a nice guy. I think he went on not realizing that they were going to make him the fuck boy, and he was not too happy about that. Every time someone sort of called him out they would sort of pan to his face and he just looked devastated. Um, Apparently 
there was this summer music concert called Stagecoach, and many different alumni from many different seasons of The Bachelor attended this concert, and he made the rounds having intercourse with different women from different seasons, and then was uncomfortable to realize that they were all on his this Bachelor in Paradise thing with him. And they didn't all know that he had been like bed hopping that whole time. And then they found out and they were like, oh man. And then he wanted them to be quiet about it and not say anything about it. And then they were like, why? Yeah, it was actually sort of the most comical part of the season. They would have just an interview of him saying, yeah, you know, and then I hooked up with Kaylin, but... I never really talked to her. Nothing really came of that. And then they would just hand her entering as a contestant. And then they would show his face and he would be like, oh, another one. Um, there was like three people yeah. on that show that he had had sex with at the, at the one music festival. Oh my God. I was really hoping they would all band together John Tucker must die style and take him down. I don't think that exactly happened, but he did end up alone, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Be- and And it was... It wasn't just that he had done that. Like, it wasn't, like, slut-shamery. It was more just his behavior around it that was very reprehensible. He just was, like, moaning about how bad everyone was making him look all the time. Which was why I hated him so much. He was all, like, very victim-y. And like, oh, poor me. Everybody hates me in the whole world. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody loves me because I already had sex with them. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what's the deal with the one, the girl that was like the White Lives Matter model? Oh, oh Victoria. Victoria F. Oh my! The, that was just one of many controversies with Victoria F. So she. Now we're talking about the most recent Bachelor, Bachelor with Peter. Yeah. We're back to Peter. We're back. We're back yes. to Peter season of the Bachelor. Should we talk about Victoria F? Please. Please explain. do. All right. Oh boy cracks knuckles um basically victoria f started the season being what i thought was pretty chill she she actually was always complaining about how how much she didn't feel like she was confident she's like i'm not pretty i'm not as as cute as these girls i'm not as confident i have low self-esteem and then it turned out that she was sort of gonna be the villain of the season, which is what Lydia told me based on our man, Reality Steve. <laughs> our favorite Bachelor blogger. <laughs> our favorite guy, who also we keep wanting to pitch for Boy Du Jour, but that's that's a conversation <laughs> for another <laughs> um, But anyway, so Lydia had spoiled it for me intentionally that uh, Victoria was going to be one of the villains this season. And I found that hard to believe until she goes on a date with Peter this is when they go to Cedar Point, shout out to Ohio, where I went to college. And there is always, they always have a date where they have like one rando white guy with a guitar playing a show and they show up, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy is playing. I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Like, of course I can't believe that they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out this guy who is a country singer named Chase Rice had actually dated Victoria. I love it. And so that. That set off a whole chain of events of her being very dramatic for no good reason. The White Lives Matter controversy happened because 
I guess she was a model at some point. Something and about she, Cosmo. Yeah. So she had won one of the challenges um, where all the girls were, I don't even remember the context. They were like stuck in the jungle they were modeling. modeling. Yeah. And Cosmo was there to shoot. And they Wait, were like, the oh, one where they photoshopped the bathing suit bottoms bigger. Yes. Ah, yes. Oh, was it? I hope so. That yeah. Was ridiculous. Oh, shoot. I did look that up. <laughs> oh, goodness. Wow. That, that whole shoot just had a lot of drama to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, so like she was the one who they're like, all right, like she's pretty hot. Let's put her on the cover. And then they decided not to because they looked, I guess, at her old Instagrams. And it turned out that she had been a model and she had modeled for this like fishing company. And she had a shirt that said White Lives Matter, but it was in reference to like white fish what? who were going extinct. But, like, why would you wear a White Lives Matter shirt in any context? You need to write white fish. Yeah. <laughs> you need to fish. <laughs> it, was, it was very silly. It was White Lives Matter, but about fish. And, yeah. There's I just don't no good believe that. Excuse for wearing a White Lives Matter shirt. That's crazy. I can't. Ugh. I thought that it was legit White Lives Matter. The fact that it's about a fish makes me even more angry. Yeah. Something else that I think that is extraordinary about the show was how it is self-perpetuating via social media and the gossip sites. It's taped in advance, and then as soon as those episodes air and the participants are released from their embargoes, their sagas with each other are in my inbox every day, whether I care or not. Today alone, I saw headlines that Maddie's mom left a message on Peter's Instagram. Peter went on Nick Vile's podcast to talk about his breakup with Maddie. Connor is ragging on Peter's TikTok dance moves. Is the show so popular with Gen Z because it's just this social media content machine long after it finishes airing? Uh, Lydia and then Emma. Well, what's interesting is, so they were supposed to start filming the next season of The Bachelorette and they had to halt that because of coronavirus. And I've found it impressive that there is just still constant content coming out um, because of social media and because they've really created this whole universe of people who are connected. Um, everyone, The Bachelorette is always someone who was formerly a contestant on The Bachelor. The Bachelor in Paradise people are all people who used to be on The Bachelor oh, and Bachelorette. I did not um, realize this. So The yeah, Bachelorettes so, are never fresh. They're always stale. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you always... Um, you can kind of jump it at any point, but there's this whole circle of people. It's sort of like you're back in high school when you have this whole group of however many hundred people um, who have drama amongst themselves. Like Hannah Brown was quarantined with Tyler C. They were exes from her season. And then everything Emily said, it is just sort of constant content, which I think is really appealing, especially right now when there's not much else going on. A lot of people only have so much going on in their personal lives other than everything falling apart. Right. So I think having something lighthearted to focus on that also is somehow grounded in reality. It's not just, you know, Tiger King, which is... That's actual So reality. it was all... It is reality, <laughs> but it was all kind of pre-filmed. Yeah. Um, this is still stuff that's happening live. It's still stuff you can go on. They all have live streams on Instagram. 
and you can see just what's going on in real time. And I think that that's appealing to people right now, especially. Um, yeah, I am enjoying it, even though I pretend like I'm not. And that's, that's how. I want to talk about dude smashing his face. They didn't explain that in the finale. And so it's just like, he was there with like the fucked up head. <laughs> and, oh, the, oh. and I was like, what happened to Emma, would you? Head? And they like, didn't. Would you like to address it, Emma? Sure. Um, I mean, what's interesting to like to have watched the show for, I guess, about six years now is that when I first started in 2014, Instagram and Twitter were things, but they're not the spawn con or sponsored content behemoth that they now are. And now it just seems like it's just this endless loop of people going on to be Instagram famous. And then if you're a contestant on a show like that, you have a very short shelf life, essentially, if you don't want to have a job, um, if you want to make social media your job. Um, you kind of always have to be coming up with content um, because – there's always going to be another cast of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. There's always going to be, like, the hot young thing. Um, so it's just a bunch of people who their livelihoods are literally to make content after the show ends because, you know, a lot of times what happens is they either have to quit their jobs or they're already, like, 23 years old and they don't really have much of a job. They're like, oh, let's just give this a shot. Um so, yeah, it's just, like, especially under um, uh, the the coronavirus and under quarantine, there's just, like, this constant influx of not only content, but then, um, like, articles about the content. And it's, like, a lot of it's just kind of, like, silly, harmless. Oh. But, yeah, it's just, like, a constant feedback loop of people needing to stay relevant and making content and often monetizing the type of content that they make through partnerships and ads and honestly some of these people I just think need to get real jobs at this point I'm like your moment's over it's done let's yeah let's wrap it up let's move on um but yeah social media I think has definitely inflated sort of a lot of the reasons why people decide to go on The Bachelor in the first place um and sort of like what they see The Bachelor and the whole franchise doing for them and especially if you go on a show like bachelor in paradise or any other spin-off show that's sort of a way for your fame to continue and to keep yourself relevant um yeah it also makes me wonder what was the show like before instagram really became so big it was probably twitter friendly yeah. or twittery that's a good question because I mean, it's been around see- now when did it first start airing 2002 yeah so Pre-social media. I think a lot of the contestants have just had to fade into oblivion and go about their daily lives. And now there's sort of a chance that you can be perpetually famous for being on TV. You know, you you can really capitalize on your 15 minutes of fame more than you could in 2002, let's say. Right. So how do you guys feel about spoilers? You mentioned uh, the famous reality Steve, who I'd never heard of until... You guys told me about him at Bust, and then when I delved into it, I see that he is the subject of multiple lawsuits, that The Bachelor keeps suing him 
for spoiling their show <laughs> and he won't stop can't stop won't stop he's a man Bad on boy a mission for life. how's he spoilers? <laughs> yeah how does he do it how do you feel about the fact that he's on these streets doing it and do you want it to be spoiled um are there others or is reality steve the the only one who can really get the job done tell me all about spoilers lydia first and then emma okay well i'm a very weird person i love spoilers i always even Often when I read books, I read the last chapter first, as I have since I was a kid, (laughs) which I think is just a me thing. (laughs) I know. Um, But yeah, I love the spoilers. I usually try to watch one episode first because I want to get to know who the contestants are. But then I I kind of want to know who wins. I want to continue watching the show and see the story unfold. So yeah, I'm a big spoiler person. I love reality Steve. I think he's also very funny. I... For me, the show isn't as much about waiting to see what happens in the end, especially since from the first episode, they always have these very drawn out promos like this season on The Bachelor. And you can kind of piece together what happens on Colton's season. I know they always would show footage of him jumping over a fence. So everyone was sort of like, what's going to push him over the edge, literally. And then on this season, there was Barb crying, saying, bring her up. <laughs> Everyone knew there was going to be drama with Barb, but no one knew who she is. And, um, so I think it does get to the point where it's about more of seeing just the day-to-day ridiculous details of The Bachelor. And I don't know. I think there are some reality shows that you really watch just for the drama every five seconds. I don't think this is necessarily one of them. And it was interesting when Callie mentioned before that it just felt like it was going so slowly. Yeah. There are always so many commercial breaks. Yeah. Bachelor in Paradise, it usually takes about three hours to watch the whole thing. Um, Not if watch you watch that in Hulu. That's true. But if you're sitting down and watching it in real time, it takes about three hours. So I think are you serious? That's why Bachelor like an episode? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why Bachelor watch parties and watching with friends, it's such an experience. I know when Emma and I watch it together during commercial breaks, we always log right onto Twitter. Yeah. We always look at all the memes, memes people are posting, look at our friends' thoughts. Um, yeah, and just during commercial breaks, we talk about it, we analyze it. I think that that's a big part of it. It's not one of those shows where you really have to keep your eyes peeled watching the TV every second in case you miss something. And Emma, how do you feel about spoilers? I am much more open to spoilers now than I used to be. Um, I, I mean, yeah, like Lydia is absolutely correct. The show moves at a glacial pace oftentimes. Um, and also a lot of times you're just genuinely not, you're, you're not genuinely emotionally invested in what happens. It's fun to watch, but it really doesn't matter to you who ends up with who and what happens. Um, so reality, Steve, I, I guess his sources are just people who know who he is and they'll just report. They'll be like, Oh, they're going on a date in my hometown. Here are some pics. Here's what's happening. Um, so he gets a lot of emails and a lot of, people who are somehow tangentially connected to um, the contestants or wherever they might be filming um, or like like friends friends or something like that. Yeah. He's like the, the gossip girl of the, the bachelor world. Exactly. Um, XOXO. Yeah. XOXO reality Steve. Um, Yeah. So to me, spoilers don't matter as much 
anymore just because sometimes you're like I just need to know why Colton jumped the fence (laughs) I need to know why Barb is crying in the manner that she is she had a very like David Lynch sort of like old woman (laughs) in peril like she's like that woman in Mulholland Drive who's like something terrible is happening like that's how she was crying and I was like all right I gotta figure this out um yeah so spoilers are all right in my book fair Okay, I would like to talk about the shows that The Bachelor reminds me of. Mm-hmm. First of all, it reminds me of Sister Wives, mm-hmm. where it's all these women are pretending to be friends and then looking longingly at the one guy that they're all in love with. I was like, this is like the biggest polygamous cult I've ever seen in my life. But then the other show it reminds me of is the Miss America pageant, which I mentioned briefly before. For a long time, beauty pageants have been losing their pop cultural capital which I feel like is a victory for feminism. (laughs) But this show is kind of the same thing, but with only one judge. And the girls have to show up with their own personally purchased arsenal of evening gowns and swimsuits. And they do their own hair and makeup and they compete in like silly challenges and then stand up in a line every week and get judged until there's only one left. Is The Bachelor the new Miss America? And is it comparable to anything else that you can think of from our cultural past, Lydia. Ooh. Well, what's interesting is there are a lot of people who are on Miss America who end up going on The Bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, or is it's, it's, it, it, I feel like there's now every other contestant is like a former Miss Alabama, former Miss Texas. Yeah, like, They're all from up, the beauty pageant circuit. I looked up one of the finalists to see what her job was. They kept referring to someone as a former or as a model. And I was like, well, what the fucking, which one is the model? I can't tell. And then I tried to look up one of them. I think it was the religious one, the very tan one. Oh, Madison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she had, like, no career, but she was a former Miss Alabama or Arkansas or something like that. But no actual Yeah, I think that – I think Madison actually had a job. She was a foster parent recruiter. Hannah Ann was a model. Um, I guess on Colton's season, there were two dueling – Miss Alabama and Miss North Carolina and I think that was a major yeah. plot point. There were two pageant people in in Peter's season. There was yeah, that was blonde Aliyah. girl who made it to the end. Oh, yeah. and then and then that blonde girl who made it to like almost the end. The cuz everybody yeah. kept calling Aliyah fake. She's like it's just cuz I do pageants. It's just how I present myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that it is sort of the bachelor and the bachelorette are both I think have very different vibes I think the bachelor there is the sort of as you mentioned before girl on girl crime there's this kind of beauty pageant girls fighting over a guy thing that feels a little outdated I think the bachelorette subverts it a little bit I think there's more room for it to be sort of funny and also actually take down a lot of ideas about masculinity sometimes There are often a lot of friendships that form on both shows. And I think it's really entertaining to watch guys sort of like band together against the villain and sort of defend each other. And especially on Hannah Brown's season, um, I'm sure a lot of people, even if they don't watch, have read about this, but she was slut shamed a lot. There was this one villain on the show who was also very Is she the one who had sex in in a windmill? No, that was Peter. Oh, she was she. Yeah, yes. no, but she she was the one who had sex with Peter yes. in the windmill four times. 
which yes. Deb, four times. Which Deb clapped at in the After the Final Rose special when they said Peter had sex four times. Like that woman wants her son to fart. Barb is very well, sex positive. Why did they she's, keep having she cries sex? And... a lot, but she's sex positive. Yeah, she is. She's a party, a party <laughs> like you want to be person. But why do they keep going to the windmill? Don't they have hotels? It was like a they were on like a, a fantasy vacay. Yeah, with no yeah. room. I think the room was in the windmill. It was like a fantasy room. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I actually thought that season there were a lot of interesting conversations happening because there was this one guy, Luke P. He sucked. He was the worst. Um, and he really sort of started getting in Hannah's face saying, like, you don't respect your body, all this stuff. And he was complaining to the other guys about it. And a lot of the guys actually ended up defending her um, and calling him out, which was pretty refreshing to see. I don't know if that would have happened on the show several years ago. I think that there is something about The Bachelor seeing all of these guys fighting over this very, very average-seeming dude that puts me off a little bit as a feminist. So I guess that's sort of my thought about the whole beauty pageant thing i'm now realizing that didn't directly answer the question um but you did directly answer my next question which is in any universe ever this one or the next in a parallel world is the bachelor in any way feminist or i guess you can talk about bachelor nation is anything in this franchise feminist in any way you can go back to what you were saying, Lydia, and I know, Emma, you actually wrote about this particular topic for Bust. Yes. So you will have the final word on it, but Lydia, wrap up your thoughts. I know. I was going to pass this feminism. to Emma. She's the expert. But I do think, I think there are a lot of interesting conversations about sex and sex positivity that come on that show. I think they have a very outdated idea of virginity is really kind of sensationalized on that show. It's almost always a drama point. But I think Hannah Brown's season was actually a pretty big turning point um, just because she was sort of this middle America heroine. She was very kind of Christian good girl. But she also was pretty, um, you know, she made her own decisions. She was very unapologetic about it. She was not afraid to sleep with the contestants and talk about it. And even um, on Bachelor in Paradise, she kind of showed up and she was she was sort of the Christian girl in several seasons. And they showed a scene where she's kind of the first person in Bachelor Nation who Demi comes out to. And Demi just tells her about being bi and about being in love with the girl. And Hannah listens and is very cool about it. And I think that that was, I think... She, as sort of the face of Bachelor Nation for a while, was kind of a turning point. I'll pass it to Emma now. All right, Emma. Um, oh, boy. So <laughs> this definitely was a divisive topic um, on the social meds about whether or not The Bachelor or any aspect of The Bachelor is feminist. My, what I've surmised in reading a whole book about this and talking about this with friends going to a bachelor event that Lydia and I had a very <laughs> we had a very weird night at this bachelor sponsored event but it was great but sort of in like taking this all together I realized that the feminist aspect of the bachelor is the communal aspect that springs from it in that you watch it with your female friends 
you get your wine, you gossip, you shit talk, you talk about why men are often terrible, um, you talk about gender roles and the patriarchy, and you not only does this happen inside your living room, you also take it online. And Twitter is especially a potent force in the world of Bachelor Nation because it's just memes and everyone being like, oh my God, can you believe that happened? I can't believe so-and-so did that or said that. Um, because it's rare, I think, to find someone who is a genuine fan of The Bachelor and doesn't question it. I think I'd be also just curious to see demographics on this, but I think a large chunk among young women, especially why younger millennial women like The Bachelor is because it's so ridiculous and outlandish that it's just something fun to talk about with your friends. And also just, it, it's a good tool uh, to sort of learn what you don't want in a relationship, why modern <laughs> dating sucks. Um, you, you know, it's, it's not often that you genuinely like someone on the show and hope they succeed. Sometimes that happens. But for the most part, it's just like a fun, campy watch. Fair enough. I think that uh, if there's anything that feminists need sometimes, mm -hmm. it's a fun, campy experience together. If it can bring us mm -hmm. together, then I'm for it. I, I don't know why I continue to watch it, and yet I do. And it's because two feminists, Lydia <laughs> and Emma... <laughs> roped me in and I, I have to say that um, I enjoy talking to you guys more that about I enjoy talking to you guys about the show more than I enjoy watching the show and so it's just a nice excuse to talk to you guys and that's feminists hanging out yeah that's yeah. how Emma's and my friendship began so that's, that's <laughs> absolutely true I mean it's a sad thing to watch The Bachelor on your own but when you have oh, definitely. A group of your your gal pals together, it just it feels like a coven, and like maybe it you're does gonna, you're gonna like the, 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 the men on the show, right? Um, so you guys, I kind of hate to ask while we're all in coronavirus lockdown, but I do want to ask, what are your hopes and your dreams and your goals for 2020, and how can people follow you on the social meds since both of you are rising social media stars in your own rights. Lydia and then Emma, tell me, what is in your crystal ball? Ooh, what are my goals? Um, I would love to finish a draft of a YA book that I've been working on for a while now. Um, nice. That's sort of my goal every year. I kind of keep coming back to it. But I started another writing project, actually, now that we're all locked down, because that one was a little more serious. I needed to work on something more fun. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of writing fiction in my downtime and goals. Yeah, I guess that would be my big goal. Um, just at this point, get through this year um, and support my loved ones during this really hard, messy time. My social media is Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A. Oh my God, I just forgot how to spell my name. Um, <laughs> my social media is L-Y-D-I-A-E-T-C on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. And you, my dear Emma? Yes. 
Let's see. I would say my biggest goal of this year is to not have to work retail anymore if I can help it and um, try to find, if not a full-time job, at least some sort of job that I find fulfilling and that pays okay and sort of just allows me to do something in the realm of what I got a college degree in. Um, that's probably the biggest goal. The other biggest goal is to eventually see my family again because they're in Texas and I am in upstate New York and I can't go to Texas easily. It's not in driving distance at all. Um, I was supposed to visit them a couple weeks ago. That didn't happen. They were supposed to visit me in a week. We were supposed to go see Company on Broadway Aww. with Patti Lapone, and that's Aww. not happening. are you watching patty lapone on instagram she's doing the most i'm not she has an instagram (laughs) she like runs around in her basement and sings on her Instagram. okay following her immediately maybe my goal is just to see patty lapone on broadway that's my secondary goal yeah Um, at this point my goal is to be back um just in new york with ebba watching the bachelor not six feet apart (laughs) (laughs) true Oh, right. My, my, my social media. Oh God. Why do I have such complicated usernames that aren't related to my name? Okay. So my Instagram is at Winona underscore Ryder, but Winona is spelled W-I-N-E, like wine, like drinking wine, <laughs> O-N-A underscore Ryder as usual, because it's a reference to my love for both Winona Ryder and wine. And then my Twitter, if you just type Emma Louise and bust, you'll get it. Um, but it's at navelgazer, because that's just what I am. <laughs> but that would be N-A-V-E-L underscore G-A-Z-E. G G A, oh gosh, I can't spell. <laughs> it's hard to spell. Yeah, E R R. There's two R's. Lots of pressure. Two R's. So those are my those are my social medias. Awesome. Can you guys hang out a little longer and tell us what you've been watching? Of course. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take the briefest of breaks, and when we come back, we're gonna ask Lydia, we're gonna ask Emma, we're gonna ask Callie, and hopefully they're gonna ask me what you what you watching. <laughs> Hey, podcast fans. Did you know that the best place to listen to your favorite shows ad-free is Stitcher Premium? They've got Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine The Lost Trail, Bitch Sesh, The Fantasy Footballers, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more, all without commercial interruptions. And we can hook you up with a sweet deal. To get one month free, go to stitcher.com premium and use promo code POPTARTS. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code POPTARTS. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes. 
and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Uh, essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have We all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. <laughs> Scams. I'm Caitlin I'm Rodney Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love, love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German-Russian heiress, and she seems like she has a lot of money, and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. Amazing. So smart. I mean, so like smart. To, I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. As is the custom on this show, we want to ask our guests what it is that they have been watching. And when I say what you're watching, there's a broad question that covers books, movies, television, music, music videos, blogs. If you are consuming something pop culturally, we want to know it because it is probably cool. Lydia Wang, what you watching? Okay, well, I would like to take this moment to plug my favorite romance novel of all time, which I've been rereading because I needed something comforting, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. It's really fun. It's about a fictionalized first son of America, um, not one of the Trumps. He's biracial. He's bisexual. His mom is the president. It's a very cool concept. And he has this sort of frenemy relationship with a fictional prince of England, and then they fall in love. It's very fun. Um, very good read for right now. So I've been rereading that. And then I've been watching Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. Same. Has anyone else seen it? I'm, I'm, I'm planning on it, but I haven't I'm yet. not too caught up because Camilla doesn't like it. And one of the things about coronavirus quarantine is you have to share a fucking television because he's never at work. <laughs> so we have to like negotiate. So I'm behind. I am that. a big fan. I'm very excited. I'm also interviewing someone from it for the blog next week. So stay tuned for that on bus.com. Um, hey. And yeah, what else am I watching? I've been I've been watching Tiger King. I felt kind of pushed into it because everyone else is. Um, and listening a lot to the new Dua Lipa album. Nice. Which is very fun pop music. If anyone is in need of that right now, I loved at the beginning Excellent. of Little Fires when she re- couldn't say the word vagina, but they were reading vagina monologues. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic. Yeah, it's great. Emma, what you watching? So yesterday, I decided to take the plunge, and I was belated. But I'm now watching Fosse Verdon on FX. Oh my God, I. Why didn't I start it earlier? I do not know. I love Bob Fosse. 
I've been in a real mood to watch the movie All That Jazz, but it is not streaming anywhere. And I have a DVD of it, but I left it at home. I left it back in Brooklyn and I'm like four hours away now in upstate New York. So I can't watch that. So I was like, you know what? It's a good time to watch Fosse Verdon. It is the drama and the glitz and the glamour that I need. It's juicy. It's also just a good insight into, um, you know, two people being so talented and sort of the their their personal lives and how it was that they were able to make the art that they did that I admire and love so much. So Fosse Verdon has been great. Also been watching Tiger King. That show it's crazy. is crazy. Crazy. There's like, you know, with most true crime, how you know how it's like, oh, here's like the one crime that we're investigating. It's like, no, there's just like so many so many crimes. threads of crime. Like the fact that Carol Baskin potentially feeding her husband to a live tiger is not the number one yeah, story right. in the show is crazy. And let's see. We've been watching a lot of movies from the 70s because the Criterion channel is doing like a big 70s style retrospective. So we just watched Clute and we watched The Taking of Pelham 123. We watched The Longest Goodbye. So I'm in a real like 70s kind of gritty kind of glamour New York vibe right now. Does that make you want to get yourself a shag haircut? Not exactly, but I do love everything Jane Fonda wears in Clute. There's that one outfit she wears where it's like all the sequins and she has like a boa. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss, honestly. (laughs) Callie. I gotta know. I need to know. What have I been watching? What you watching? Um, well, yes. a lot of news of um, a lot of John Prine because he just passed yesterday, mm-hmm. which breaks my heart. So I got in a deep John Prine hole. Um, I found this thing on YouTube. I don't know how I got there, but it's called um, Trash Theories. And there's an episode about songs that are most likely about Courtney Love. Ooh. Oh, I oh, think I I've it. seen it's that. So good, and I didn't know Hollaback Girl was about Courtney Love. So, like, Courtney Love apparently at some point back in two thousand or like the early two thousands, two thousand five or something, said, um, "Being being famous is just like being in high school, but I'm not interested in being the cheerleader. I'm not interested in being Gwen Stefani. She's a cheerleader, and I'm out here in the smoker shed." And Gwen Stefani was like, "Oh, fuck you." And so she wrote that song. I heard you, you were talking shit and you didn't think I would hear it and put all the cheerleaders in the video. And then that ended up being like one of the biggest songs of the decade. So schooled Courtney on that one, which, and there's so many songs that are possibly about Courtney Love. It was really good. I'm still watching the Desperate Housewives, man. Rewatching that is amazing. And season two, Gabriella gets in a fucking fist fight with sister Mary in the fucking church and lights her on fire. What? Yes. It was insane. The show is just ridiculous. And then in this episode after that, they're all at some fancy brunch and it gets busted by the feds because the lady throwing the brunch has like an illegal, uh, she has essentially a slave that she's been hiding in her pantry or some shit. And then the rescued slave to be the she becomes like the surrogate mother for Gabriella and her husband, and then sleeps with the husband, 
And the fucking dude that was married to Charlotte on Sex in the City is in it as this crazy fucking dentist that just kills like everybody. He like, whoa. Yeah, he's like poisoning. He's like poisoning people and running people over with his car, and you don't know why he's doing it. And then in season three, I mean, I'm just watching it constantly because me and Camilla will agree on watching it. Brie has never had an orgasm in her life and has her first one when um, when she somebody eats her out. And then she goes to the doctor because she thought she was having a heart attack. <laughs> I loved it. She thought she had a heart attack when she had her first yeah. orgasm? Oh, bless uh, her heart. The doctor was so kind about it. <laughs> so that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you that... Okay, so for those of you who are longtime listeners, you may recall that I think it's not this past winter, but the winter before, we had our Strange Women episode and two very strange sisters haha, who host um, st- the Stories of Strange Women podcast came on and they were... Um, after the show asked me if I would be interested in owning a lamp from the original Amityville horror house, not the one in the movie, but the house that the movie is based on. Cause they, there was a, a, a sale when they sold the house where they sold all the fixtures. They sold everything in the house to the walls, including all the fixtures. And one of the sisters bought this lamp from the Amityville horror house and then gave it to the other sister because she thought it was cursed. And then the other sister thought it was cursed and then asked me if I wanted it. Cause we were talking about horror movies. And then she gave it to me. And then I immediately got very, very sick. Okay. Still have it by the way. Okay. I tell you this because in my solitude with luscious Logan, I found, well, no, no, no. Logan found, and then I watched Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes, also known as Amityville Horror, The Evil Escapes, on this little-known station that we have on Roku called Tubi. And it is a 1989 American-made-for-television movie starring Patty Duke. And the premise of the movie is that there's a big sale in the original Amityville house and they sell everything down to the fixtures and someone buys a lamp at the, at the Amityville house and it's cursed and they bring it all the way to, to California. And it like possesses the little girl because her dead father talked to her through the lamp. And so I was like, hold the fucking phone. Like I'm terrified that this movie exists and that it mirrors my life. We need to get somebody over there to like, check out the the readings or whatever. I feel like the coronavirus is like completely happening because of that lamp and we can all blame it and I'm scared. (laughs) Okay. So I've been watching that. Also um, my darkest, besides the fact that I've been watching the bachelor, my darkest pop cultural secret is that up until now I had not watched Fleabag. (gasps) I knew that it was really, really good. But I was saving it for a special occasion, and the global pandemic is that special occasion. I am halfway through season two. I can't believe there's only two seasons. It's so sad. 
um it's great and i love it like newsflash she already won like <laughs> all the emmys for it for good reason fleabag is great you guys all have been telling me that and now i know it for myself and then the other thing that i've been watching is something that our other online editor brianna mentioned mentioned to me and it's called 60 days in it's an a and e oh, series that you can watch so on hulu and the premise is volunteers just from the population who have various reasons they say okay i'm gonna go undercover in prison for 60 days and then i'll report back to no, no, like no, the no, sheriff no. and other prison administrators about what they learned as undercover prisoners but the thing is is the other prisoners you know obviously don't know they're undercover but also the prison staff all the all the like um you know like all the guards and everything they don't know that they're not prisoners either so like there is crazy violence on this show these people like go in to like see what it's like and report back and like immediately get punched in the face but it's like the camera crew comes into the jail and says we are making a documentary about first timers in jail and they interview all of the first timers in the jail but only use the footage of the people on the oh show God. so all everybody there who's there for the first time thinks that they're in this documentary that doesn't actually exist do you have to stay for 60 days I assume that you everybody gets punched in the face when they go to jail. Not everybody does, but um, but this this one guy certainly did, and it was a surprise oh. to no one. This show is a big hit in over a hundred countries. It has many seasons. Um, the one that I'm watching, I'm still in the first season, is in. Um, Clark County Jail in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Remind me to never go there. It's an interesting prison population because it is majority white people who call each other the N-word. But uh, it's that's just one picadillo of the prison population in Indiana. It's it's violent, but I enjoy it. As, as I would suspect, the issues in the women's prison are much more psychological than physical. And they're constantly psychologically torturing each other, but also friendships. Oh, friendships. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say is not something that I've been watching, but something that I want to make everyone aware of, which is that the majestic Pop-Tarts Patreon page has landed. It's ready to make its debut in the world. We really need your help to keep Bust alive. And hopefully you'll be very excited by the goodies that we've hooked up for Pop-Tarts listeners at patreon.com slash Pop-Tarts podcast. Callie and I, with help from Team Bust, have been typing up exhaustive show notes exclusively for Patreon donors that include what you guys have all been asking for, links to what everyone has been watching for all 80 episodes. That's right. That's you don't right. have to pull the car over to make notes about what we're talking about <laughs> anymore. We've actually done the typing for you, and you can just click away while you're in confinement 
and catch up on all the things that we've been watching. We also made totally ad-free episodes available for all 80 episodes. And there's exclusive content on there, including an amazing episode we just taped with Big Frida. That's only for Patreon subscribers and more. Check out all of our donor levels at patreon.com slash Podcast, And please consider helping us out however you can. We appreciate you. Please and thank you. And speaking of thank yous, I would like to thank our producers, Jesse Karen and Kate Moldenauer at More Banana Productions, as well as our luscious sound engineer, Logan Del Fuego, our girl gang at Bust Magazine, and our Patreon producer, Teresa Wiltshire. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems and on Instagram at RemsEmily, but you cannot find Callie on the social, so don't even try. You can email us both. I'm at emilyrems at bus.com. at bus.com. And you can learn more about this show at bus.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We super duper appreciate it. And I super duper appreciate you, our lovely guests, Lydia and Emma. Thank you for being so nice our you. guinea pigs on our very first remote episode. We love you so much. Until next time. Yeah. I'm very much free. (laughs) Woo.